The theme is prayer. Today the, the theme is continuous, continuing prayer of faith. We talked last Sunday, the, uh, the definition of prayer we said was the conscious communication with God and we talked about the intentionality of prayer that is a uh, conscious, that is meaningful, intentional communication, talking with God and hearing from God. We looked to Scripture and learned that our prayers are rightly addressed to God the Father as Jesus taught his followers to pray our Father in heaven. And throughout Jesus' prayer life, his prayers were always lifted to the Father, as are the prayers that are examples for us in the New Testament of the apostles. We talked about prayer should always be to God's glory, that the, the principal purpose or the priority of prayer is that it should bring glory to our Heavenly Father. It should bring glory to our Lord. It should be to His praise and to His honor. And we understand that not only is that true for prayer, although we're specifically talking about and addressing, praising, honoring, worshiping, glorifying God in prayer, but that is true of all of the Christian life that this is who we have been called to be. This is what God is making of us. It is his purpose and his plan in the lives of his people, those who he has called and adopted into his family, is that we should live, we should be to his glory. And so it is that, that prayer, rightfully conducted in accordance with the New Testament, and our calling as Christians and followers of Jesus Christ is principally intended for the glory of our Lord God. Now I want to suggest to you that that's, that idea right there is, is pretty different perhaps from what, what you might have thought about prayer in the past. There is certainly an idea that is very popular in the world that that prayer is intended to uh, make go, let God know what you need, what, what you want, that it's uh, principally to bring your, your cares and concerns, your want list. Now, prayer is for the glory of the Lord. That idea right there, and I'm kind of carrying on about it, because that idea right there should be the principal guide in your prayer life. When you think about prayer, when you are praying, when you talk about prayer, think about it, talk about it, practice it for the glory of the Lord our God. And then we, last week we talked about that prayers are prayed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that, uh, that this was to set before the Lord our God the sacrifice that we bring with our prayers, and that sacrifice is His Son, Jesus Christ. And so while prayers 
in the Old Testament would often have been accompanied by a, a sacrifice, we too come into God's presence with this sacrifice. Likewise, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because it is a vow. It is the vow that we have already taken. We have given ourselves to him. There's nothing left for us to vow because in our profession of faith, in coming to Jesus Christ and claiming him as our Lord and Savior, we have vowed our all into him. And so we come with a vow before God in our prayers, and our vow is in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I can see some of you want to shout hallelujah right now, and I wouldn't blame you if you did, because th those right there are just some wonderful ideas, some, some marvelously awesome concepts about prayer. Prayer isn't near the drudgery, the the uh, horrible, horrendous responsibility that weighs you down that you might have thought that it is. An occasion to talk to God, our Heavenly Father, for His glory and in the name of His Son. Today, we're going to look at a parable, a parable from Luke chapter 18. And as always... Parables, Jesus taught in parables, intended that they would communicate to those who have ears to hear and hearts to receive to understand what he is teaching in the, in the parable. Parables are not for everybody. And parables are most certainly not for unbelievers. Jesus teaches in parables for those who would hear what he has to teach. And so we read in Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 1, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear not God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on earth? I hope you can hear what this parable has to say to us, but specifically about prayer. For Jesus says that he's telling this parable so that you will know to always 
pray and not lose heart. There is, in our lives, those times, those occasions, those situations, for example, when you might be inclined to lose heart. Sometimes things are just hard. Sometimes we can fall into uh, uh, depression. We can get depressed, and there's not even any real good reason for it. Uh, I think it was Wednesday night. Uh, what's this guy's name? Ben? Uh, was talking about, what do you call it, January? Melancholy. There you go. Just because it's winter. Just because the temperature drops. Cabin fever. They call it up in Wisconsin for good reason. You just feel down. Uh, you know, in your life and your activities, your relationships, sometimes things just don't feel good. Sometimes in the Christian life, sometimes in the, in the life of church, church work, church leadership, serving the Lord, one would think, hoping to be a blessing to His people, and it doesn't go well. Sometimes, even in the best of times and the best of situations, we might lose heart. Jesus says that you ought always to pray and not lose heart. I tell you what, that's, that to me is just a, a, a glorious instruction from the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. That when we're inclined to lose heart, when those depressing, difficult times come, that we ought always to pray. Always to pray and not lose heart. Praying always. Praying always is, is in fact the standard for prayer throughout Scripture. Throughout the New Testament, we're told, we're encouraged, we're commanded to always be in prayer. It's the when of prayer. When should we pray? Always. Jesus, of course, was a man of prayer. And as we read the Gospels and the life, the times of Jesus we see that, that Jesus was, was always in prayer. Sometimes the disciples got a little miffed with him, that he would go off and pray. I mean, they've got troubles, they've got problems, they've got people that are, are coming and making accusations. And, and where's Jesus? He's off somewhere praying. Jesus was a man of prayer. He was always in prayer, and he sets the example for his followers. He set the example for his disciples. 
He sets an example for us. Not only talking about prayer, not only teaching about prayer, but in the manner in which he practiced prayer. Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. Jesus, God the Son. Emmanuel. God with us. Praise. A sinless man. The perfect man. Always in prayer. Led by the Spirit, yet he sought sustenance. He sought to be strengthened He sought to be guided. He sought communion with his heavenly Father in those times of prayer. If anybody, if anybody ever had reason to lose heart, I want to suggest to you it was Jesus. I'm reluctant to use a, a personal example which means I probably shouldn't. But you know, I've, I've, been, I've been in this preaching business for, for some years, and it, and it struck me very early on that, that what I have to offer is, is far greater than a, than a great chest of gold bullion. And yet... The, the manner in which people turn away, the manner in which this gift is rejected, the, the way people react, respond to the gospel, the good news that God has sent his son into the world to, to save us, to be our savior, to bring about the forgiveness of our sins by which we can stand before a righteous and holy God and receive the gift of life eternal. Sometimes I have been inclined to lose heart. But I only say that to say to you, think of Jesus. He is the gift. He has has left, you know, Philippians chapter 2, right? That that thing, he, he left the throne. He didn't, he didn't hang on to his place as God in heaven, but rather he left that and took upon himself the body of a man, walked among men, and he, and he brought God's love into the world. He brought, he brought God's grace into the world. He brought God's gifts into the world, and he, and he healed the sick, and he fed the hungry. He caused the blind to see, and he forgave people's sins. And they argued with him. They poked fun at him. They made him out to be a criminal. Those that, those that were as, that, that closest to him sometimes were so hard-headed he couldn't hardly stand it. 
Have I been with you so long and you still don't get it, Jesus said? That's in the Eller translation. If anybody was ever going to lose heart, it might well have been Jesus. So we see a man always, always praying and not losing heart. Obedient to the will of his Father. Accomplishing the work that he had been given. Even to death on a cross. To the effect that you should always pray. Right? Hear God's word. Always pray. And don't lose heart. Now the idea of praying always, continuing in prayer, is not not a call to what's known as monasticism or to hermitage. Not at all. The idea of, of uh, running from the battle, the idea of divorcing yourself from the context in which Christ created the church to just go off somewhere and just spend that life in solitude No, this is not at all what Scripture is calling us, but rather to pray always in the battle, to be engaged, to be involved, to be a part of the purpose and work of the body of Christ, His church. Praying always is really the idea of always being ready to pray. That prayer is always right there to be entered into at any moment and every moment, in every need, every situation, every time. In the greatest of needs, at the time of of, uh, greatest impact. In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was a servant, a a Jew who had been taken to um, Babylon, in the captivity from Jerusalem. Nehemiah was then a servant in the, in the, king's, in the king's court. In Nehemiah chapter 2, we read that, uh, that Nehemiah had learned how Jerusalem had been destroyed, and, and he was sad, he, he was downcast, the Bible says. He, he may have even been coming close to losing heart. And Nehemiah, we're told, he comes into the king's presence to bring the king his cup of wine, and the king sees that, that Nehemiah is, is downcast. His face is, is sad. And the king, king asks him, this, this is something that's not allowed, by the way, in the king's presence. Don't bring the king down, right? Not a good thing. And, then, and the king asks Nehemiah, why are you sad? And he, he kind of, you know, oh, it's nothing, king. I'll be all right. And, and the king, ah, oh, uh-uh. What is it? And so Nehemiah has to respond to the king of what's going on, and he wants to ask the king to let him go back to Jerusalem and help to rebuild the city of God's people. So he's standing there in front of the king. The king has 
required him to answer. He needs to answer. And you know what the Bible says Nehemiah does? He prays. He prays to God. Now, I want to suggest to you that there were not many seconds that elapsed between the time that the king said, answer up, Nehemiah, and the time that Nehemiah has to respond to the king. He did not go off into another place and bow toward Mecca for any period of time. But rather, his prayer took place in just that moment. Not eloquent, certainly not spoken out loud, not long, but certainly, certainly following the principle that Jesus sets forth in his parable, that you might always pray and not lose heart. A great moment, Nehemiah in front of the king of Babylon. Certainly a time that prayer would be worthwhile. But continuing always in prayer is, is, is also the idea of always being ready to pray in whatever the situation. And so I encourage you to hear and understand that praying over trivialities, praying over small things to us, is every bit as much a glory to the Lord as are the prayers in those great moments. The example that I have in my notes, it's so trivial that I'm, I'm just so reluctant to, to, to share it. Um, some of you, perhaps all of you, you've, you've done things with, uh, with your hands working. I was, I was thinking about, um, well, just the, I'm sorry, but just the example I have is, if you've ever changed the oil in your car, your truck, or whatnot, uh, well, yeah, you'll get the idea. Uh, sometimes, sometimes that oil filter just will not thread. You monkey with that thing, left and right, back and forth, up and down, and it's enough to, well, no, it's, uh, it can be aggravating. And I'm here to tell you, if you are trying to thread an oil filter and it just won't take, I want to encourage you to always pray and not lose heart. I know that's a small thing, but I assure you that if you will stop and pray. If you simply stop and say, Lord, this thing's aggravating the daylights out of me. I don't know that it'll thread. Seems like it always does for me. But you will be encouraged. You will be comforted. And the temptation to lose heart will be diminished. Pray always. You hear that? Be ready to pray in the most difficult of times, in the greatest of need, at the times of the most horrendous circumstances. Be ready to bring your prayers before your heavenly Father in the name of your Lord Jesus Christ.
And at the times when things are just almost so small and unimportant that you would think, There's, I, I don't need to bother God with this. Always pray. Don't lose heart. Pray always. Don't give up on prayer. Don't give up on God. There is a time when you need to accept God's answer to your prayer. There are times when the answer to your prayer is not what you're looking for. There are times when God's answer to your prayer is according to His will and His purpose and not in the manner in which you would have things to occur. We talked last week about the Apostle Paul who described how he had asked God three times to take away what he calls his thorn in the flesh. God didn't answer that prayer in the way that Paul wanted him to. Paul accepted God's answer. But there's also the occasion, 2 Samuel chapter 12, King David's son is dying. And King David dresses himself in sackcloth and puts ashes on his head and declines to eat or drink anything and prostrates himself on the floor and he cries out to God in his anguish that his son would not die. I want to I ask you to kind of move yourself into that situation to whatever extent you can. This, this is a horrible, horrible situation. His baby, this son, this child, is just an infant. And David is doing everything that he can possibly imagine to pray to God that God would relent and that the child would not die. And the child dies. When David learns that the child has died, he gets up, takes a shower, dresses and uh, calls for, for food and drink. And his servants are just amazed. This, this is backwards. This is backwards, they think. The, the time now to, for, for weeping and moaning and gnashing of teeth is, is now that the child has died. And here David is, he's, he's, he's finished with his prayers and he's, he's now resuming life. His servant said to him, verse 21 in 2 Samuel 12, then his servant said to him, what is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was, was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me 
and the child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. King David, a man after God's own heart, he understood prayer. He understood praying continually. He understood always being in prayer. So many of his prayers are recorded for us in the book of Psalms as well as other places in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. But David also knew to accept God's answer to his prayer. And that because God's answer was not what he would have desired, not what he wanted, that the Lord was no less his God. That the Lord was in fact faithful. And that that prayer could be answered. Not that the child would return to him. But by trusting in the Lord, King David could go to be with the child. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise his mighty name. He is good. He is faithful. His truth endures. A time... And the answer to your prayer comes, albeit not in the way you hope, a time with the Apostle Paul that you can boast all the more gladly in our weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon us. Accept God's answer to your prayers. And do not dishonor him by continuing to ask for that which he has already declined to give. There is a time, there is a time absolutely when our prayers should be continuous. There is a time that we should pray without ceasing. And that time is when we are praying in the revealed will of God. Praying in the revealed will of God. Read praying the Bible. Right? What God has revealed, what God has made known as His will, then we may pray continuously, pray always in accordance with that which he has made known as his will. 1 Timothy chapter 2, a very significant passage about prayer. God's word says to us, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, we're going to deal with the first part of this passage at another date, but I want to draw your attention specifically to the revealed will of God. For it is God's desire, 
It is God's will that all people to be saved. Knowing that it is God's heart, it is God's desire that all people would be saved, then pray always for the salvation of your family members, your friends, your acquaintances, those whom the Lord lays upon your heart. Pray, pray, pray that they will be saved. It is not you, your responsibility, you are not going to save anybody. But your prayers that your friends, that your family members, that those that the Lord has placed on your heart, your prayers that they will be saved puts you solidly in the middle of God's will, of God's heart, God's desire that all should be saved. And that is what's significant about this prayer. It seems to me, and any time you hear, especially when you hear me say, it seems to me, well, we'll leave that. Check your notes, Eller. It's a, if any of you lack wisdom, James chapter 1, you knew this one was coming. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. James chapter 1 and verse 5. I would suggest to you that you always pray and ask for wisdom. And in the very moment when you say, well, I don't lack wisdom, start praying. This is God's will. You hear that? This is God's will. Who, who, who wants to generously give you wisdom. There's a prayer that can be prayed continuously. And that prayer is the prayer that is prayed in accordance with the revealed will of God. Pray always as Jesus prayed. Pray always with Jesus. Pray always with, with His heart. Listen, read, hear, study, uh, meditate on His prayers from the Scriptures and pray in accordance with His prayers with that which demonstrates His heart with His desire. Brother Kenny read to us last, last Sunday morning uh, from John chapter 17, uh, Jesus' prayer in the garden, what's called the, the high priestly prayer, where Jesus prayed for you and I. And he prayed to his Father, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me they may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. I, 
You may memorize that. There'll be nothing wrong with memorizing that. But I would far prefer that you hear Jesus' heart and that you pray with that which Jesus desires. Father, that I would be, that I would be more like Jesus. Father, draw me, draw me closer to you in Jesus' name. Father, give me, give me that heart of love. Father, give me that, that heart of affection for, for my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Pray as Jesus prayed, knowing that you can pray continuously, pray always according to Jesus' desires, according to Jesus' examples. For I would suggest to you the most difficult thing that God ever had to do was to save me and you. But because of Jesus' prayer, we have salvation. We've studied through Ephesians and we've, uh, we've loved the Apostles' Prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 for many, many years. The Apostle prayed and as it recorded in Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to go ahead and read the whole thing. It's just such a beautiful prayer. Ephesians 3:14 and following. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Once again, your time spent with this prayer is time well spent. Consider that which is being prayed. Consider the, the request. Consider the desire, the heart of this prayer and join with the Apostle. Join with the Spirit of God. Join with Christ, who is the head of His church, and pray always. Pray always for, for Him to be glorified in the church. The Lord has given us this opportunity. The Lord has set before us with certainty, this time and this place with these people. And why? For His glory.
for his glory. Pray that he would be glorified in us, in the body of Christ. And pray always, pray always for what is far more abundant than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. <laughs> you need to pray for what you don't know what to pray about for. Christ at work, the Spirit of God at work in us in a way that we cannot begin to imagine. We can't begin to fathom. We, can't, we have no way to see and to know what the Lord, the magnitude, the reach of what the Lord God is doing in us. But pray, right? Pray for all that he would do. Pray that his will be done. Pray that his glory would be made known among his people who called themselves sovereign grace. I thought I might make some suggestions on what is unimaginable, but that would just ruin it, wouldn't it? Huh? Now, pray for that which is unimaginable, far more than you may ask or think. Does that make sense to y'all? I'm praying for, I don't know what I'm supposed to pray for, but I'm praying for it among your people, among us, for your glory. The Lord will answer that prayer, by the way. Praise God. So back to James chapter 1. I read the verse, I read the verse that says, if anybody lacks wisdom... Right? Remember that one? It was just a few minutes ago. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, let him ask God. That, uh, that text goes on to say in, in James chapter 1, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, friends, that's strong language. That's pretty harsh. I've seen those waves out at sea. The wind pushes them up, builds them up takes the top of them, tears that water off the top of that wave, and it's gone. Nothing to it. But then, then the Bible goes on to, not only is there, there nothing to those who would ask without faith, not only are they this, this, this in the wind, but then the, the insults, <laughs> right? Double-minded. What's a, what's a four-letter synonym for double-minded? We'll add that to the questions at the end. Unstable in all its ways. What's the problem here? What's at issue? What's, what's being asserted? 
It's faith. It's faith. Perseverance in prayer, being always in prayer, all prayer, any prayer that's going to be effective, that's going to be come before the Lord our God in a manner that is acceptable to Him is a prayer that is prayed in faith. With no doubting. Don't be double-minded. Pray with faith. The prayer of the unbeliever, those who have no faith, the unbeliever that does not accept the truth, the unbeliever that does not know the truth of God, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the coming of the Son of God as Savior and Lord. The unbeliever should not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Pretty harsh. Now, I I don't blame you if you're sitting there saying, that ain't the way I heard it. That's okay, because that ain't the way you heard it. But that is what God's Word says. And we have entered into a covenant, have we not? And in that covenant, we have agreed together that the Word of God is our guide. And so what is the prayers of an unbeliever? Faith. Faith is always demanded. Faith is always required. Effective, honest, true Christian prayer, the followers of Jesus Christ, is always contingent on faith. How do you please God? And... I don't care what you say. When we, when we come before the Lord in prayer, I think we want to be pleasing Him. Does that make sense? Yeah. And what does it take to please God? Hebrews eleven six. Do we have that? Well, we've got it in reverse, right? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It's a verse about prayer. Faith is required. Faith is demanded to pray a right to the Lord our God. For you must believe. You must believe that that God exists. If you're praying to God, if you would expect Him to respond, then you would have to believe that He is a personal entity who can and will respond to that which you would pray. You must believe know that he answers prayer and rewards those who seek him.
Jesus said, Matthew chapter 21, we have it in verse 22, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive. If you have faith. Once again, we're confronted with a a little two-letter word. It's the pivot point. It's the fulcrum. Like that, the fulcrum? Never, never mind. Right. <laughs> if it's, it's conditional, and the condition is, the, the prayer that is answered, the prayer that is fulfilled, is the prayer that is prayed, believing the truth. Believing the truth of God's word. Believing God's revelation of himself. Believing that God is who he says he is. Faith. Believing, knowing, believing the truth in God. Prayers are not conditional upon how bad you really want it. Prayers are not conditional on even how really, really bad you need it. But effective prayers, prayers that come before God that are pleasing to Him, are prayers that are lifted up, trusting. Trusting in our Heavenly Father. Prayers that come before Him seeking, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayers trusting that He is our Heavenly Father and that it is His will that will be accomplished to the best for the good of His people that will then bring Him the glory. That should so inform our prayer life. Prayers of faith that trust, depend upon, lean on, look to, desire the will of our Heavenly Father, knowing that that is the prayer that will bring the blessings into my life and will glorify my Heavenly Father. Amen. Faith empowers prayer. Unbelief hinders prayer. Matthew chapter 17. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, well, the situation is this man had come to Jesus with his son who, uh, who has fits. And uh, the boy just acts up in the most horrible way at times and throws himself down on the ground and falls, the man says he falls into fire, he falls into water. <coughs> Nothing can be done for him. He had, he had brought the boy to the disciples and, and they had not been able to heal him. Then the disciples come to Jesus privately and say, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, 
and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Unbelief. A lack of faith. A lack of trust. Unbelief was the barrier that prevented the disciples from doing what they had done in, in other cases and other circumstances. The scriptures tell us prior to this that on numerous occasions that the disciples had been able to heal uh, people in similar circumstances. In this case, it was unbelief. This child, this one, was, was had such a a horrible malady. He was plagued by such a powerful affliction and acted in such horrendous manner. The disciples simply did not believe God could heal him. I mean, this was a really bad one. God wasn't going to heal this one. What an insult it is to God Almighty what an insult it is to the omnipotent God, the Creator. This thing was just so bad, they, they just couldn't believe God would heal this one. For whatever reason, they didn't believe. Is it any wonder that Jesus rebuked them in the manner that he did? I'm here to tell you, Jesus was put out. Huh? Huh? What is the matter with you people? Have, have you not learned the prayer of faith? How long, Jesus says, am I going to have to put up with you? What does it take to please God? Go ahead and answer. Faith. How long... Don't, don't cause Jesus to have to rebuke you. Don't, don't have to hear Jesus say, How long? How long will I have to bear with you? Believe, have faith, trust in the Lord your God, for without faith it is impossible to please God. He saved you. He can do anything. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear then the teaching of God's Word. Pray always. Don't lose heart. And please him that he will be pleased at his appearing with your prayers of faith. Amen.